So good. Are you glad you came to church today? <laughs> I don't know about you. I'm so glad. Wow. The last, the last few weeks, uh, if you've been here at Rockside, the Holy Spirit's just been really pouring out his grace and his mercy and his power. And um, we just want more of Jesus. We want more of God. Right, church? <laughs> so I want to encourage you. Uh, this week we have VBS. And uh, when you leave today, we've got flyers. We want you to, we'll pray at the end of service too, but we want you to take them. And there are kids in your neighborhoods, kids, coworkers, get them connected this week. We've got a Thursday night, a Friday night, and a Saturday afternoon. Uh, we want to, in three different areas, we really want to impact not only kids, but families. Um, God has called us to follow him, but that doesn't mean just us following him to heaven. That means we're following him and obeying the mission, which is to make disciples, right? And all of you, all of us, we are required to be part of that, to participate in that. So please be praying this week um, for our outreach a couple days. This next Sunday is Friend Sunday. We're encouraging all of you. We're going to invite people from VBS to come to Friend Sunday this next week. And we're expecting a really good turnout. Um, I don't know about you guys, but you look around the room right now. See those open, those open seats? There's some open seats, right? Let's not be okay with that. Is that okay? Is that okay to say? We're at a point, church, where, man, God is good, and if you know him, you're going to heaven, but look, there's, there's seats next to you that are empty. And I just want to encourage us in this next season, we're going to be celebrating 20 years as a church that's been open to the community. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to celebrate the miracles. We're going to celebrate what God has done and is doing, but he is not done. Amen? And all of us need to participate in that. And I just want to challenge you to look at things differently. All right? If you call this your church, <laughs> then God is looking at you to say, hey, who can you be bringing? Who can you be connecting in to the youth ministry, the kids' ministry, the young adults, our older generation? There are people who need hope and love, and God wants to use all of us. And so let's not just look to the person on the right, oh, that's their job. Oh, that's the pastor's job. No, it's all of our jobs to go and bring people in. Amen? And so over the next few weeks, I want to put that challenge out there to you. Let's fill this church, not just to fill the church, but because we really believe in the transforming power that happened on this cross. Amen? Amen. That Jesus died for our sins and for our healing and for our deliverance, that we don't have to be the same. So today we're, gonna, we're talking about this month a new series called Searching for God, all right? And um, the internet's been around for a while, right? There's a lot of Google searches out there. We're going to talk a little bit today about that. So let's pray as we get into uh, the Word a little bit. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. God, over these next few moments as we get into your Word, I pray that you would just illuminate truth to every hearer, to every heart. God, I thank you that your word is living and active. And so, God, in this moment, I pray that we wouldn't check out, but, God, we would check into what you're speaking, what you're saying. God, may we leave different because we've encountered you today, your presence and your word, your living word, which is our scripture. And so, God, we thank you. We praise you in your precious name. Amen.
So people are searching. Would you, would you agree in our world today? They're searching for something. <laughs> we live in the age of the internet. The internet has granted us unprecedented access to information, like no generation before. We've got, you know, six and seven and eight-year-olds that have these iPhones that have every possibility of connection and information at their fingertips. We have so much access to knowledge and to information. You no longer need to learn an ancient language or even go to a library to search for answers. You simply just go and Google it, and you can learn how to do literally anything. The top two searches on Google are for uh, Facebook and YouTube. <laughs> Google runs, listen to this, 99,000 search queries per second across the globe. 99,000 search queries per second. Do you think people are searching? That adds up to 8.5 billion searches per day. Wow. These Google searches reveal our shared humanity's longing for love. All right? People are looking for answers. Who is God? What is prayer? What is the Bible? Here are some of the questions that, that are Google, some of the top ones. Why does God test us? Why does God love me? Why does a God allow pain and suffering? Does God love everyone? Does God love me? Is God a jealous God? Is God love? How does God look? How does God speak to us? How does God see me? How does God answer prayers? These are many of the multiple questions that people are seeking Google for. My conclusion on looking at these different results is that people are crying out to understand God's love and his goodness. His love and his goodness. Do you understand that today? Do you understand God's love today? Do you understand his goodness? I'm reminded of this quote by C.S. Lewis. It says this, the problem of reconciling human suffering with the existence of a God who loves is only insoluble so long as we attach a trivial meaning to the word love and look on things as if man were the center of them. Man is not the center. Huh? How's that feel? We're not the center. Man is not the center. God does not exist for the sake of man. Man does not exist for his own sake. Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We were not made primarily that we may love God, though we were made for that too, but that God may love us, and that we may become objects in which the divine love may rest well pleased. Where it's not just for us, for us being pleasure to him, it's for him to love us. So you might be searching for the answers. You might be searching for God. He's searching for you. He's looking for you. This series over the next couple of weeks, um, we're going to be talking about how do we know God is good? Why does God allow bad things to happen? Does God love everyone? And how do we know his will? 
just some of the questions that people are Googling. And we're going to explore the answers. In Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, a very familiar passage, I want to look at it today from the message version. And this is Jesus saying, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> some of you need to hear that today. God saying, obviously speaking to Jeremiah, but he's saying to us today, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you. We've heard testimony of that today. Not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. That is God's word, God's promise to us. It says, when you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I will listen. That's amazing. When you come looking for me, you will find me. When you go searching for God, when you go looking for him, seeking him, he promises. Do you get that? He promises that you'll find him. He's not hiding. He's there to be sought after. Let's look at a couple words and define them. The word seek is this, the attempt or desire to obtain or achieve something, to seek it out. A couple synonyms are to explore, to follow, to investigate to pursue. We're on a journey to seek him, to know him. The word search means to try to find something by looking or otherwise seeking carefully and thoroughly. To inquire, to investigate, to examine, to seek. Are you on a search for God? Are you on a search for more? Not just being satisfied with today's bread, today's manna, I hope you are, because there's a whole heaven, there's a whole universe that God wants to pour out to us. If we will seek him, he will be found. Now, here's the thing. Let's be honest, right? Life can be hard. Life is tough sometimes. We encounter trials, hurts, pains, things that happen that are heartbreaking, right? This life is not guaranteed that it's going to be easy. That has never been the, the promise from God. He's always promised, though, that I will be with you, that I will walk with you, that I will not abandon you. I will help you. I will be Jehovah Jireh. I will provide. But he's never said it will be easy, right? Sometimes we find ourselves wading hip deep through the rivers of sorrow, and it's hard to hold on to the goodness of God. But I'm here to tell you today that God is good. No matter what it looks like in our world today, God is good. We need to be reminded of that today. You need to be reminded today that our Heavenly Father is a good God. He's always faithful. He's on our side. And he's 100% for us. He's 100% for you. Let that sink in in this moment. Thankfully, Scripture gives us abundant proof of God's overwhelming goodness. We're going to look at five quick ways, undeniable proofs that our God is good. All right, you ready to go with me? Number one, proof that God is good. He gave us his son. He gave us his son to pay the price for our sin. Can you imagine, those of you that are parents, giving up one of your children to sacrifice for a world that a lot of them didn't even like you? Can you imagine doing that? 
That's what God has done for us. He's a good God. He gave up his son. Turn with me in your scripture, whether you have a device or whether you have a a written Bible, to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at a couple different scriptures today. Romans 8, 31 and 32. You guys good? You guys good? You're a little quiet. You're a little quiet. You're worrying me. You good? I'm good. I've come off a week. We had a general um, council for our Assemblies of God. 17,000 people gathered in Columbus, pastors and families. Uh, it's our business, two-year business meeting kind of a thing, and it was phenomenal to gather. But I am, your pastor is tired today, so thanks for, thanks for being with me this morning. All right. Romans 8, 31 and 32 says this. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Amen? That's just, we can just sit right there, right? Verse 32, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he give us everything else? If God is for us, who can be against us? And he gave up his son for us. Ponder that staggering truth that God gave his son for you in all of your imperfections, in all of your sin. He's a good God. He gave his son for you to pay for our sins, to rescue us out of darkness, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He didn't have to do this. And we certainly didn't deserve it. Amen? After all, we were enemies of God, children of wrath, as it says in Ephesians. We willingly, joyfully followed the ways of the world and Satan. And yet, in spite of all this, God still gave up his son. Is there any other greater proof? I mean, we could just stop there, right? He gave his only son for us. But there's more. There's more evidence. There's more undeniable proof that God is good. God's goodness is just simply overwhelming. Let that overwhelm you today. Number two, another proof. He adopted us. Mm. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. I love adoption. I love the concept of adoption. For those of you that know me, you know I uh, love Cabbage Patch Kids from back in the 80s. Any other 80s ladies, girls, men? Cabbage Patch Kids loved it because I loved the concept that you could take the doll, you get to adopt it. You get to rename it, and now you get to bring it home, and now it becomes, it belongs to you, right? This whole concept of, of adoption, that's powerful. That's what Christ has done with us. He's adopted us into his family. We were once enemies of God, and now because of Jesus, he's now adopted us into his world. All right, Ephesians 1 verse 4 says this, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. In Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. If you're feeling alone today, you're feeling left out, does anybody care? Does anybody know? Yeah. There's a God up in heaven who has adopted you into his family. He has chosen you. He has called you. What more do we need? 
than the God of the universe, right? That is incredible that he has adopted us, chose us to be his own. Some of you need to hear that today, that you're chosen, that God wants you to come close. If God, had, if God would have simply just forgiven our sins, that would have been more than enough to prove that he's a good God, but he's gone so far, even beyond that. Not only has he forgiven us, which is incredible, but he's adopted us into his family. I love, you know, I've got to adopt the girls years ago. What an incredible thing to be able to bring together family, right? Where there was once brokenness, now we can try to assemble and bring health and healing and wholeness. It's a beautiful thing. That's what God does to us. He reaches out and he brings us in. He chooses us. I choose to love you, my child. We literally are sons and daughters of God with all the rights and the privileges that that entails. That's what adoption is great about. Because once you adopt, literally, they're yours. All the legal things, all the everything becomes theirs. Same thing with us. God has adopted us, and now we have all access to heaven and everything in the heavenlies. Isn't that mind-blowing? How good God is. We have direct access to the king of kings. Are you, are you utilizing that access? You have direct access to the very king of kings. Tim Keller says this, and I love this quote. Visualize this, all right? The only person who dares to wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access. We have that kind of access with the God of the universe to to come in and wake him up at 3 a.m., right? Receive that right now in this moment. You have that kind of access as a child of God. He has adopted you. He has chosen you. You are not abandoned. You are not alone. You are not a mistake. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stop walking around in lies. Let's walk in the truth that God has given to us. All right? Number three, he provides for us. Another proof that God is good. He provides for us. We just heard testimonies of real life miracles. God providing where there was no way. He doesn't just do that for certain people. He does it for all who come and call him Lord and Savior. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. 31 through 33. And I'm reading from the NLV today or NLT today. Matthew chapter 6, 31 through 33. All right, it says this. So good. (laughs) Do you ever just read scripture and you're like, God, you're so funny. He's just so, he's so good and smart. And like, so it says, so don't worry about these things. (laughs) It's just like so frank, like, don't stress. (laughs) He knew, he knew we would be overly stressed and overwhelmed, right? So verse 31 says this. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father knows all your needs. 
So here we come to the part where, here's our part, right? Verse 33 says, seek the kingdom of God, right? There comes that seek, there comes that search, look for, right? Seek the kingdom of God. What does it say? Mm. Above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. If you put Christ and his kingdom above all else, and there's another part to that, live righteously, right? So there's two parts that we, that we do, right? We seek the kingdom of God above all else, and we live righteously. Now, it doesn't mean perfectly, because the hmm, Bible says, for all sin and fall short of the glory of God. That's not a one-time thing. We, we struggle. We are human, Right? And we continue to have to come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness, ask for his grace. So we don't do that perfectly. But we seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously, which means we live according to scripture. We don't live according to the culture or what they say to do today. We live according to the word of God. That's living righteously, being in right standing with God, which goes against our culture. Hello. Goes against really the world today. So if we do those things, then, here we go, here's the, here's the kicker. He will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom above all else, live righteously, and all those things will be added unto you. Amen? Number four is this. He guides us. Psalm 23, 2 through 3 says this. He lets me rest in green meadows, he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Not only does God provide for our needs, but he also guides us in every step of the way. He's a good God. We can trust him with our life, with our decisions. Again, we could stop there with he guides us. He loves us. But there's so much more. So much more proof. Because God loves us, he's always leading us to green pastures and still waters. He's always guiding us by the hand, even when it seems like we don't know where in the world we're going. We can trust the one who does, the one who created it all. We can walk with him hand in hand, because we trust him, we know he'll provide, he'll take care of us. That doesn't mean it's always easy, but we can trust him with it, amen? And the last thing is this, number five. <laughs> Proof is this, that it's in his character. It's just who he is. Psalm thirty-one, nineteen says this, how great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before watching the world. The ultimate reason that God is good is that it's just in him. He is good. God is love. Love is God. It is inherently in him. He can't be anything other than that. That should fill you with joy. That should fill you with all that you need to trust who he is. He guides us to those paths. Do you trust him today with your life, with all the things? 
if you're searching for answers, we're, we're thankful for technology, but God is above it all. God has created it all. If you're searching for truth, we find truth in his presence. We find truth in scripture. We come to the one who has all the answers. Amen. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be focusing on this searching for God, finding him. Are you looking for him today? Are you needing him today in a certain area, a certain space? Because we talked about life is hard, right? There are bad things that happen to people. But in the midst of that, God is still a good God. God doesn't make bad things happen. Sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, through their choice. You know, when God created us, he didn't create us a robot. He gave us a free will, which means a free will to reject him, a free will to walk away from his love and all the things he offers. Sin is here. And sin has created a lot of terrible things. There's a lot of hurt in the world, a lot of pain in the world because of that. But God is still good. And in the midst of wherever you're at in your life, no matter what it is, when you know him as Savior and Lord, you can say, it is well with my soul. No matter what I'm facing, no matter what it looks like, I can trust him that he is good. As I close today, and um, worship team, if you guys would come up, I want to read a story to you. And so just kind of rest in this moment as I read it. Some of you might have heard the, the real story of the guy behind the, the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Horatio Spafford was his name. He knew something about life's unexpected challenges. He was a successful attorney and real estate investor who lost a fortune in the great Chicago fire of 1871. Around the same time, his beloved four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Thinking a vacation would do his family some good, he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to England, planning to join them after he finished some pressing business at home. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision and sunk. More than 200 people lost their lives that day, including all four of Horatio Spafford's daughters. His wife, Anna, survived the tragedy. And upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to her husband that began and said this, saved alone what shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England. At one point during the voyage, the captain of the ship, aware of the tragedy that had struck the Spafford family, he summoned Horatio to tell him that they were now passing over the spot where that shipwreck, the shipwreck had occurred. As Horatio thought about his daughters and the loss of life, Words of comfort and hope begin to fill his heart and his mind. And he wrote them down. And they have since become a well-beloved hymn for us. Can you imagine the grief that he was already experiencing? And then to find out the rest of his daughters lost their life there. And as he himself 
was passing over the space, the place where the ship went down. Can you imagine the amount of grief and the feelings that he was feeling? And here's what he penned, and you know it, because if you know the song well. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Here's a man who understood God's love and his grace and that God is good in the midst of really hard things. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Perhaps we cannot always say that everything's going to be well in our lives all the time, but we know the God who can walk us through it.